0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald podcast, where we say, Love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. Do you know where God first
1: revealed himself that that is his name? I am that I am. Uh, It was to Moses uh, in the beginning of the book of Exodus and that same Moses is meeting with that same God, the Great I Am. Now he's led the children of Israel out of Egypt and uh, they're at a place called Mount Sinai and uh, Moses is up with that uh, God, the Great I Am, on a mountain and God is uh, giving to him uh, the Ten Commandments. In fact, it tells us in Exodus 31 that the very finger of God was engraving uh, these Ten Commands. Now they could apply to just about any area of life, but we're applying them uh, to the matter of marriage. So this is uh, week three uh, in our series, uh, the Ten Commandments of Marriage. First, the commands, uh, then how they apply uh, uh, to marriage. So I gotta say, uh, it has just been awesome uh, with all of you looking in uh, to God's law afresh, uh, seeing how it applies to all of life. And uh, how uh, these things that God has given to us are in fact the highest priorities of human relationships. So if you haven't uh, opened your Bible to Exodus 20, I would love it if you would uh, do that with me now. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, under or by one of the chairs uh, that you're sitting in. And we want everyone to be able to see that what I'm saying and what I'm uh, teaching is coming from God's Word. I'm praying that you will be like uh, the Thessalonians and that you will receive it as it is in truth. Uh, Not the word of man, uh, but the word of God. Someone say amen to that. So Exodus 20 is right in front of us. And um, it says in verse 1, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And there's the first command. If you want to put hashtag 1 there, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. And we have said that that would be uh, applied to marriage, that God will be the first and final authority in our marriage. And then down just a little bit further in verse five is uh, what we've called no idols. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. And uh, we've talked about um, God's love, which comes in there at the end of verse six, showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments, that God's love will be our, in our marriage, our highest uh, priority, our most passionate pursuit, our greatest experience. Then we spent a whole week. I didn't plan on spending a whole week on number three, but we did spend a whole week on number three, um, this a concept of not taking the name of the Lord in vain. So no other gods, no idols, no blasphemy, which means representing the Lord accurately, especially to that first and most important of human relationships. Uh, now, um, the content for today begins in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day uh, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, so no employees um, working under your uh, watchful eye on the Sabbath. Uh, n- none of your animals, so no, no no plowing with the poodle, nothing like that. Um, no, I don't think there's a ton of farmers here today. My grandfather was a farmer, so. If you are a farmer, that's amazing. Um, not a ton of us have livestock. I think you get the point. If you have a visitor in your home, see it there? Don't even let somebody who's visiting it. Nobody at your house, nobody under your watchful eye is going to dishonor God and work, 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 you know, seven days a week, 30 days a month, but not, not at my house. Notice um, why, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and rested. Was God tired? Tell me, was God tired? Nobody rested, though. And to tell us something, more on that in a minute. On the seventh day he rested, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Um, That's a lot of verses for one command. And then just one verse for number five. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. All right, well, we're going to uh, study both of those in a minute and apply them to marriage, but before we even do that, uh, we're going to spend some time on this thing called a theology of command. And the reason why we're spending some time on a theology of command is because I want you to see and understand that it really is an awesome thing that our Father in heaven speaks to us. 496 times in the Old Testament, the verbal form is used. 180 some times we see the word commandment. I mean, a lot of what God is downloading to us is coming in the form of command. But our culture is so anti-authority, so disrespectful of any uh, um, invitation or even welcome to someone else telling us, you tell me what to do, who are you to tell? And we get a lot of that, right? And so uh, for us to really build a a, a real theology of command, you understand that theology is, well, if anthropology, anthropos is the uh, word for man, And ology means to study. So the study of man or the study of humanity is anthropology. And uh, sociology is the study of, of relationships and social systems. And psychology actually comes from a word that means the study of the soul, interestingly. Theology is theos, is the Greek word for God. So theology is Um, the study of God, God's nature, God's purpose is what you'd expect to hear at church and and what an important subject it is. So when we say a theology of commandment, we're understanding God and why he relates to us so frequently in the matter of uh, commandments. Now, um, with that in mind, um, we have kind of laid out some uh, uh, five of them, one each week in this five-week series. Uh, First of all, that uh, God's Uh, commandments are common they are protection in a minute we're going to talk today about how they are life and then next week and the week after God willing they are unchanging and they are binding now I want you to have these okay so that in a year if somebody says to you what's with all the commands in the Bible you can well it's pretty common and there are protection and uh, today I want to talk about how they're life but before I do um, who's my favorite preacher nicely done Nicely done. Favorite preacher, A.W. Tozer, 30 years at Southside Alliance Church in the city of Chicago. Died in 1964, or 63 actually, and so I've read so many of his sermons and so many of his books. If you're ever at a pastor's gathering, they'll often say if you're on an island and you could only have two books other than your Bible, which two would you choose? And a lot of pastors would say, I for sure would say, uh, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer and Uh, Knowledge of the Holy uh, by A.W. Tozer. So all that to say is is that I'm a pretty big uh, fan of him, but uh, what is, um, and I have no pleasure in saying this, uh, what is uh, really sad is that um, Tozer, um, this is from my book, Act Like Men, but I'm going to quote from another book. Tozer was not known to be a proud man Frequently expressing his own struggles and his need for grace through his preaching and writing. How is it possible then that his fervent love for Christ did not seem to show up in his marriage and parenting? I wrote, I really don't understand scripture is so clear that love for God must translate into love for those closest to us. In fact, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commands are, do you remember, do you remember, do you remember what he said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your, say it. Neighbor is like, why doesn't it say family? (laughs) Because that's so obvious, it doesn't even need to be written down. I mean, who would love their neighbor and not love the people inside their own house? So it's so patently obvious. Somehow, though, best-selling author Lyle Dorsett, um, one of the really great Christian biographers of our uh, generation, a uh, Canadian, by the way, if you care, if you care. <laughs> Turn to your name and say I don't. <laughs> um, Lyle Dorsett, uh, who wrote the book on George Whitfield, for example, also uh, wrote a book uh, on Tozer called A Passion for God, and details much that is commendable about Tozer's ministry and walk with the Lord but also speaks candidly about his great contradiction. After his death, his widow remarried, and when asked about her happiness, Ada Cecilia Tozer, her new uh, last name was Odom. She married a man named Leonard Odom. So Tozer died in 63. His wife remarried. Asked years later about her time with Tozer, she said, I've never been happier in my life. Aiden Tozer loved Jesus Christ but Leonard Odom loves me. Now if that was all we had if that was all we knew we might think well they got off to a bad start maybe and he just couldn't dig it out but actually the book goes on quote by early 1928 the Tozers had a routine. Aiden Tozer found his Fulfillment in reading, preparing sermons, preaching, and weaving travel into his demanding and exciting schedule while Ada, his wife, learned to cope. She dutifully washed and ironed and cooked and cared for the little ones, developed the art of shoving her pain deep down inside. Most of the time she pretended that there was no hurt, but when it erupted, she usually blamed herself for not being godly enough to conquer her longing for intimacy with an emotionally aloof husband. Now, you gotta know, that throws me into a massive turmoil because my favorite preacher lost at what none of us can lose at. There's a lot more related to his children. I am not gonna go into all of that. I just want to say that when we say God relates to us in commandments, that God's commandments are life. If what I'm doing in this series is not impacting your life if it's not getting into your life, if you're not having some conversations with your spouse, if you're not adjusting your expectations about a marriage that is yet future for you, if you're not aligning yourself with the God's word, if this is an exercise that is somehow separated for you from life, the loss is yours. And it's tragic, Deuteronomy 30, 19. I want you to look at it. Deuteronomy is the last book in the Pentateuch, the last book of Moses. Deuteronomy 30, 19, at the end of these books, filled with God's law, filled with God's commands, Moses says this, I call heaven and earth to witness, Moses said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life, that's the law. The law is life, the commands are life. The commands are manufacturer's specification for human happiness. There, listen, listen, look up here. The commands are the way you work. It's like, I got this new car and I can't figure out how to turn on the navigation. Open the glove compartment, pull out the owner's manual. This is the owner's manual for human happiness, for optimal functioning, for, for total fulfillment. And Moses says... I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, next two words, say them. Come on, church. Here it comes. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, say it. See, the choice is yours. Choose life, he says, that you and your offspring, not just you but the generations to follow, the children and grandchildren beyond this earth when you're gone, Choose life for yourself and choose life for them. God's commands are life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life. He is your life and he is your length of days. He is your life and he is your health. The, the, these commands that we're going through, these top 10, these are not options worthy of your consideration. They are the law of God written on our hearts and they should resonate within you. Yeah, 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 there, yeah. Things will be a lot better if I get there, all right? And as I said, they could be applied to a lot of things. We're applying them uh, to marriage and uh I just want to say that um, God forbid I should uh, end up in a box at the front of the church this week or this month or this winter. Someone, someone say, God forbid. Yes. But I witness before God and before heaven and earth today, I have not hesitated to put in front of you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Have a theology of commandment that when you look at these things, you this is life to me. This is, this is God's heart for my happiness. Now, ready to get into these two? So two more, here they come. Uh, the first one, back to Exodus 20. Um, remember the Sabbath day Remember the Sabbath day uh, to keep it holy. There's uh, four whole verses on this. In a minute we're going to have commands coming in four words. uh, But here we get a command in uh, four verses. This is a lot of content for one command. He wants us to know what it's about, what it means, why it matters. This is a pretty huge deal. Uh, The term uh, Sabbath uh, here... Uh, is actually um, to cease or desist. If you know what it is to get a cease and desist order, that's not usually great. And God here is giving a cease and desist order. He's like, once a week, I want you to knock it off. Once a week, just say, knock what off? Knock everything off. Knock it all off. I had a pretty uh, bad experience. Just want to be completely honest in church last night on the way home I preached this and my wife said to me you're not doing that you're not doing that and she said I've been listening to you to preach for 30 years I don't remember sitting in church and saying to myself ever he's not doing that and she said you're not doing that and I was under immense conviction preparing it and under immense conviction in listening to my wife and recalling the last three weeks or so. So let the preacher uh, listen and join with the people as we seek to embrace the wisdom that God has revealed uh, in uh, the command that he's giving here. One day a week to cease and desist. Now, um, uh, more could be said about this word from the root, Sabbat, um, um, just keep your finger in Exodus 20 and look uh, um, just a couple of pages to the right at Exodus 31, and uh, here he gives more detail. And I want to just run down for you five things uh, that it says about the Sabbath. Um, Exodus 31:12, "You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Above all, think of it. Think of all the commands. Above all, wh- why so important?" I would suggest to you that this one day a week of ceasing and desisting is God's provision for us to align everything else. And when we just go, 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 never stop, never inventory, never review. Above all, he says, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Notice this is a sign between me and you. I'm, I, it's a sign, it's, it's like a signal that I send to God. And in my signal to God, I'm saying, I have to stop. I need more of you and less of this. And as I reflected upon my wife's words, I, it would be really hard for you to understand. I, I, I work all week, I work all weekend. I work all week, I work all weekend. You should be resting. I'm not resting. No one thinks I'm resting yesterday or today. And I just feel, uh, you know, deeply convicted to search out a pattern that allows a whole day of beginning with worship and ending with reflection, uh, a cease and desist, a total shut off. Uh, no phone, no emergencies, no intrusions, just the things that matter most. He says in verse 14, Exodus 31, you shall keep the Sabbath because it's holy for you. Holy means set apart. So notice that it's a sign and notice that it's holy. It's distinct, it's different. We need to have, I need to have, you need to have. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to have. Listen, listen. One day a week that is totally different than the other days. One day a week where I don't do the things that I do on all the other days. Now, um, in run the legalists, and the legalists are like, you know, you can't cut your grass on Sunday and you can't um, and, and all these things that aren't in the Bible. I'm not going to get into any of that and of course Seventh Day Adventists are not only does it have to be that but it can't be on the first day of the week where we remember the Lord's resurrection. It has to be on the last day of the week like it was in the Old Testament. Now I'm going to come back and try to explain that in just a minute and why I think this matters so much but let me just drop down through this passage. I'm giving you five quick things here. Um, So the Sabbath, um, it's a sign to God. I'm communicating something to God when I do this. It's holy. And then notice back into verse 14 at the end of it. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. So on a scale of one to serious, where does that land? (laughs) Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. So any work, it's a, Sign is holy. It's a cease and desist from work. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. That's the next thing. It's rest. Whatever resting is, that's what we do one day a week. We rest. And then notice again, holy to the Lord. It belongs to God. It's set aside for him. Whoever does any work on this Sabbat, this cease and desist shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations. They shall, it's hard for us to hear the, because we don't, it's transliterated. Sabbath. they didn't give us an English word, they gave us the Hebrew word with English letters. So if you're reading it the way that we would read it, it keeps saying it over and over. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the cease, observing the cease throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign, he says it again, forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God didn't need it. We desperately do. He did it so we could see that we do need it. And he gave to Moses, verse 18, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So notice it says there in the text, uh, this is a Sabbath uh, forever, verse 17. It is a sign forever, that's the final thing. Um, it's a sign, it's holy, it's a cease and desist from work, it's rest, uh, and it is eternal. Now, um, there is a lot of confusion on the subject of the Sabbath and how that applies to Christians. And can I say this, in, I be, <laughs> I wanna be super gentle in the way that I say this, because I've already told you that I'm under deep conviction about this myself and will happily report back to you on my progress. Would you please join me in this? I wanna say what I'm about to say now really gently. Should I sit down? Do you want me to sit down? Is it okay? Am I okay like this? I don't wanna feel like I'm leaning over all of you. And I'm thinking of the price that we pay in our lives, in our health, in our marriages, for not taking this seriously and the reason we don't take it seriously is because we don't understand how the law relates to today. So I'm going to work on that with you for a minute but I want to just say this in the, did I already tell you this was going to be gentle? Did I mention that part? We believe in a doctrine called the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers, this is a Protestant doctrine, it's been around since the Reformation, um, uh, all uh, Christians of our belief in the word of God would affirm uh, the priesthood of all believers, it's not a sectarian thing, it's very broadly accepted that we, that there's only one mediator between God and man and that is the man Christ Jesus, uh, Paul said. And, and so you can go directly to God. You don't need some guy you call father. You don't need some guy you call pastor. You can go directly to God. Everyone say amen. 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 It's a pretty important doctrine, the priesthood of all believers. But the problem with that is, is that in our culture, the priesthood of all believers has become what I would call the autonomy of all believers. Autonomy means separate, uh, self-governing. And so when the pastor stands up and says, hey, we got to get on this. We're like, well, that's what he says. But, you know, I I'm, I'm, have my own relationship with God. And we have so privatized things that we don't. Um, let me try to come at this from a different angle. Again, just as, as uh, respectful as I can possibly be. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but are you a brain surgeon? You're not. You're not. So if I were to fall down here right now and Mr. Medic here jumped up and said, I think it's his brain, would you pull out a knife? You wouldn't, okay. How many people are glad that he wouldn't do that? I don't want some guy, I really like you too, by the way, Joe, but I I just don't want some guy uh, doing brain surgery. He's he's like, I really care, I'll try. (laughs) Come on, vote with me, good idea. That's a bad idea. So so if if you uh, owned a Ferrari, and I happen to know that you don't, but if, if you did own a Ferrari, um, um, how many people would agree that, that if there was a problem with the engine, you don't just, hey, I'll take a look, you know, fuel injection, high performance, let me get my hammer and, <laughs> and, and uh, tell me. No, no, so, so listen, we, we do recognize that all of us have, by virtue of what we've spent our life on, we have areas of expertise. I know that there are people in our church, there are people in our church other than me that are seminary trained. I did 160 semester hours of biblical study and theology, then a master's degree from Trinity. So honestly, an honor, one of the great seminaries of the world. Then I did my doctoral studies in biblical communication. I've been preaching the Bible for 30 years. So what I'm about to tell you Some of you know the scriptures well. Some of you know the scriptures very well, which is thrilling to me. But um, what I'm about to say is more than just, that's what he says. If you want to sit down and have a talk about it, I'm about to explain something to you that I'm pretty sure about. And it's more along the lines of biblical brain surgery or biblical Ferrari fix. So please listen carefully. The law is and isn't still operational. The primary purpose of the law was, uh, read the book of Galatians. The law was given, uh, God's commands, of which we're studying the summary, the top 10, God's uh, commands, uh, Galatians says, that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The sum total of the law is this, I can't. I cannot even keep the top 10, let alone keep, I can't possibly, and we come finally crawling and begging, I can't keep God's law, I can't jump that high, then Jesus says he who offends in one point is guilty of all. And I'm like, ah, I need a savior, amen? That's the purpose of the law. The primary purpose of the law is to bring us to Christ, to show us our need of a savior. God's standard is perfection and none of us meet it. That's why Christ had to come. That's why he died in our place. He paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away, right? And that's the gospel and that's what we celebrate. But, and all God's people said. People use that and, and they're like, they're so dismissive then of, the, we are not under the law, we are under grace. We are not under the law. Uh, Paul said in Romans, we are under grace. But there is immense wisdom in a portion of the law. And some of the things written in the law did not originate with the law. And that's why this is a bit complicated. So first of all, there are two parts to the law. There is the, the uh, commandments, and then there's what's called the ceremonial law. Like you can't touch a pigskin, and you can't eat any, any uh, um, uh, from any animals that have split hooves, and you can't, and it goes on and on and on, the ceremonial law. So people today in our culture who are trying to dismiss the prohibitions against divorce or homosexuality, because they don't really know how to rightly divide the word of God, they find something in the ceremonial law and they're like, look, you're wearing uh, clothing with two kinds of cloth on it. And the Bible says you can't do that. So I can do whatever I want. But people don't The Bible says, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightfully handling the word of truth. No one who is even a kindergarten Bible scholar thinks that. The ceremonial law is out. It's out. All of it, all of it, the ceremonial law is out. What remains are the commandments. All of which I'll show you in a couple of weeks are reiterated in the New Testament. Every one of these commands is reiterated in the New Testament. Now, some of the things in the law actually predate the law. A good example is tithing. So people say, we're not under law. Tithing's not for today. And they think they're smart, but they're not. Tithing You're not under tithing as a law. You're under tithing as a principle of wisdom, as a place to start. We get more in the New Testament. We give more in the New Testament. Abraham brought tithes to Melchizedek, the priest, hundreds of years before the law was given. And as tithing is a place to start a universal principle that precedes and comes after the law, so Sabbath rest, one day a week, is a principle that is rooted not in Mount Sinai, but is actually rooted in the Garden of Eden itself, where the creator laid down six days of work and one day of rest. Assuming that people are actually studying the Bible, Exodus 20 gives that rationale. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, one day a week to cease and desist is not just something in the law that can be dismissed like the ceremonial law. One day a week to cease and desist is a principle from the Garden of Eden itself. And I am deeply convicted about seasons of my life where I don't and haven't obeyed that and the consequences of that on my health on my marriage on my relationships and I'm blessed I have a great marriage but I'm still very concerned about this and hopefully I pray in my uh, disclosure you can find the freedom to admit your own needs in this matter. Well, well, but, but, but I, I get phone calls and what about my clients and, and I'm putting everything into this business right. And when we don't stop one day a week from it, we say to God, I can do this without you. See, that's the whole thing about tithing. How many times have I looked into these faces that are so dear to me and said about tithing this, 90% with you and God, is more than 100%, how many people have heard me say this? 90% with you and God is more than 100% with you on your own. And if you leave God out of your tithing, that's what you are, you're on your own. like, why can't I get no traction financially? Because every paycheck you tell God, I'm better without you. How's that going? It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith that says, you know what, Lord? You can make 90% more than what 100% was. Who who wouldn't pick the Lord as a first-round draft choice? On my economic team, I pick him. Right. And Sabbath rest is the same way. To believe, to really believe that the ministry will go further and higher with one day away from it, 100%. To believe that the business will go further and higher with a whole day away from it. Now, to help us understand that, you say, like, oh, James, there's a lot of emphasis on what we don't do. We cease, we don't work. Um, notice what we do is we rest, we rest. And let me give you these six Sabbath choices here. Pretty quick. I will not work. I will not hurry. Mm -hmm. Hurrying comes from number three. I will not overschedule. Overschedule. I'll bet you five times in the last year I've said to people, kind of kidding, I'm like a doctor. If you want me to be on time, come to the first appointment of the morning. By the end of the day, I'm usually 45 minutes behind. How many people kind of get ticked off when that happens at the doctors? That my, I'm like that. And it's am I saying that I think it's good or am I saying that i think it's not good? Not good. I will not work, I will not hurry, I will not overschedule and then this, I will worship. I will worship. I will begin a day, a week <clears throat> with worship. Actually, the Sabbath was Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. So we're Saturday at sundown to Sunday at sundown. I think that um, Saturday night at church is a great way to begin a day of something different. So whether you choose Saturday night or Sunday, you could make a great case for both of those. Um, It's more about the period of time. Some of you work on Sundays. Um, It's more about the period of time is what it is. Scheduled, regular for God. I will worship. I will love and care for those I love. When I'm pouring into my family, I'm going to sit and consider. Um, I will uh, rest. I will rest. You say, What do I do when I rest? This is the last part. When I rest, I look up. That's the first thing look up. And, and I get small, and God becomes large. I look up, then I look back. What happened this week? And what do I need to set right? And what did I overlook? And what will make this week a better week than last week? And then I look inside. What do I need to make right with God, with others? So I look up, I look back, I look inside, and then I look ahead. I want that for you. You're all going to be out in the marketplace, in your homes, in and out of schools, working so hard this week, and I covet for you a time that begins with what we're doing right now, but not out of this into craziness, but out of this into home and quiet and reflection and rest so that as you get up in the morning you're really ready to take hold of another week. This is an eternal principle, we are under it. We are not under law, isn't that good? Say, well, I haven't been doing this. Well, awesome, we're under grace. Let's begin again, I intend to, I have. And then this, obviously the way that that applies to marriage then is, God will get one day a week to press reset in our marriage. One day a week. How are we doing? Are we good? Are we good? Anything we need to talk about? Are we connected at every level? God will get one day a week. How much better would our marriages be if there was an appointment every week as part of a rest season to say, "How, How are we doing? Where are we at? And some long for it, and some run from it. By the way, sleep isn't rest. How many people have had a long night's sleep and woke up tired, still exhausted? Can't sleep it off, can't sleep off the need for rest, can't do it. How many people, how many people have spent themselves so much that their first two days of vacation was Vegematic? (laughs) Don't touch me, don't talk to me, right? That's not rest either. Um, Leisure is not rest. Golfing is good. Cutting the grass is great. If you like doing that, that's not rest. Gordon MacDonald wrote a great book many years ago. He said this, leisure and amusement may be enjoyable, but they are to our spirits like cotton candy to our bodies. A momentary lift that doesn't last. Amusement is not rest. And some of us go, 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 all week, all week, all week, and we never stop. Sometimes we run on and on because we fear that in our silence and in our rest, God will say something to us that we don't wanna hear. Command number five is honor your parents. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. We're off the first tablet and we're on to the second tablet. The first four were about God. You know, God first, no idols. Don't take his name in vain. One day a week. Now we're going to the relational implications. Interesting, the first relationship he moves toward is parents. Can I say why? Why doesn't he go toward marriage? Well, I think the reason is, is that in a home where parents are not honored, that same disdain will be translated uh, to spouses in the very near future if it hasn't been already. Uh, young men, young women, watch out for that potential partner that doesn't love and respect their parents. You're like, dude, you don't even know my parents. Correct. So that helps me say that this applies to everyone regardless of, you may have, you know, Oscar winning Nobel prize, world-class parents, or you may have awful parents that hurt you or even abused you and with whom you've had no contact for a long time. And while there are parameters to it, and I'm gonna give you some right now, this does apply to everyone. No one gets a hall pass on this. So let me give you three things really quickly. Honoring your parents doesn't mean, okay? We're going to do a whole series on um, uh, father love uh, in March. We'll come back to some of this, but honoring your parents doesn't mean groveling. It doesn't mean needing their approval. It doesn't mean asking them to be loving where they've been cruel. It doesn't mean any of that. Honoring your parents does not mean making yourself vulnerable. It's not risking. You don't have to put yourself at risk. You don't have to expose yourself to to awful behavior. It's not that. That's not what it is. It's not groveling. It's not risking. And it's not ignoring or denying the past. When you honor your parents, you're not saying, you were awesome. But inside, I'm like, none of this is true. Why am I doing this? Listen, it's finding something in what your parents did and honoring them for that, just for that. You brought me into this world. You must have fed me. Here I am. By the way, there are millions of children around the world who could not say that about their parents. So it's finding something. Some of you have amazing parents, and, and they are long overdue. Proverbs says, do not withhold honor to whom it is due, and is it in your power to do it? and your parents are long overdue for some words and actions that show honor. I was texting my dad this morning, he got engaged last night. <laughs> so I'm pretty fired up about that, and, uh, and, but not as fired up as he is, trust me, and, <laughs> and, and God's grace in all of that, and, uh, but I, I just wanna say this, I've had to work on my relationship with my dad, and with my mom passing and some thoughts that I've had, I had a pretty, two actually, fairly, important meetings with my dad this year and and they went great and I got some help and I don't want to stand up here well if I had his life and I don't tell you everything I want to honor my dad and he's worthy of honor are you listening so you find the things that you can honor them for the word honor actually literally means weight And and, uh, we would talk about a person sort of negatively, like, man, she really lays it on, you know? And we would think that that's a negative, but but it's only negative if it's not sincere and it's not deserved. And you should really lay it on your parents to the degree that you can verbally and with your actions to show honor to them. Here's a, you're like, why would I do this again? A couple of reasons. First of all, because it will bless you. Notice this command here. Um, in, In Ephesians, in the New Testament, this command is reiterated. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, Ephesians 6. What does that mean? Well, if you look at Exodus 20, are you looking at it? Exodus 20, notice the first four commands. No other gods, no idols. Don't take my name in vain. Sabbath day, don't forget. It's all kind of do this, right? We've been learning... Why does God lay it down so firmly? It's from a heart of love. It's for protection. He's not given a lot of reasons there. Do you know what I'm saying? Would you agree? So this is the first time. Look at at, at the commandment in verse 12. It's the first time that he says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long. So so now there's a promise with it. You're not just going to honor your parents because they'll be devastated if you don't. And that is true. Parents need this whether they can say it or not. It's amazing how many delinquent dads show up in their 50s or 60s just looking for some kind of connection because something is never right till you're right with your kids. And even if they can't say it, and even if every one of their actions says, I couldn't care less, trust me when I tell you it matters. And so God knows that this is hard and we're all fallen, so He gives this awesome commitment. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You will be blessed if you find a way to obey this. Now, I've written a whole chapter in a book on this. I've I've, I've taught about this at great length for a long time. So let's just try uh, to um, apply this uh, to marriage, all right? God's command and promises about parental honor will be embraced in our marriage. Okay, so uh, men, you need to take the lead. And uh, dis, I learned this early on. I got this one. Disrespect for in-laws is devastating to marital relationship. Have you seen this? Your spouse can say anything they want to about their family as long as you don't say it. Right? Am I, I, are we in church today? I mean, just trust me on that. And even if they don't tell you it bugs them, it bugs them. They can say, man, oh Man. And they shouldn't say it, but you can't say it. And how essential this is. You want your children to grow up in a home where you teach them how to treat you without ever saying a word, just by letting them watch how you treat your parents. Always keep in mind about aging, about aging. Where's a young person? Let me look at a young person. I'm picking you. Um, How old are you? Stand up, 13-year-old. Now hear me on this. As you are, I was. As I am, you will be. All right, you can sit down. Now apply that to your parents. You're you're gonna you're gonna be that. And every choice should go through the filter of. You say, Well, my parents, they were they were this did they did they know the Lord like you do? Did they have the teaching that you have? Did they have the where's the where's the grace? You say, but you don't know, there was unthinkable things. I I I actually have more knowledge than you would realize um, as it relates to some of these matters. And let me just uh, say, um, in regard to uh, parents and honor, even if you don't feel like it, even if they won't receive it, even if they were abusive, focusing on the pain just perpetuates it. Find something good to focus on that promotes that honoring them isn't exposing yourself to further pain it's a step of faith in obedience to God whose commands are not just common they are protection and they are life this made the top 10 is right there the first non-vertical command fix this if it's broken get this right if you haven't get back on it if you've slipped away I went up to a really tall, large man last night after the service. He was just waiting there to talk to me and I turned and there was nowhere to go. (laughs) He's very precious and he started to weep. And he said to me, never knowing that I was gonna preach on this about six weeks ago, he said to me, I had a terrible, terrible, terrible relationship with my dad and you had preached on forgiveness and I can't forgive him because he's gone. I said, write him a letter go to the cemetery and read it to him. You'll know that you said those things. You're acknowledging that you wish you'd said them. He stood there with tears and just he just said, I did it. I said, well, it must have been awesome to hear that message then and to know now under grace that you did everything you could do. And he said, I did. And I thought, that's so awesome. That's what my life is all about bringing these life-giving commands to bear upon the people that I love most. I've acknowledged today doing it sometimes to the point of exhaustion, which hurts you and hurts me. So I'm gonna work on that, I promise, today. Now, God's commands are life, and the command about Sabbath rest has obvious implications for our marriages. And the command about honoring our parents has obvious implications for our marriage. Will you take these things to heart? Will you pray about them and talk in your home about them? Parents with children, husbands with wives. Some of you should be going to your parents today. Some of you should make a phone call. I'm sorry you haven't been hearing from me. I'm sorry I've learned to live without regular contact with you. I'm sorry I've been okay about it. And, and I'm sorry. I really am. How are you? Everything doesn't need to be worked out. Everything doesn't need to be fixed. You have received immense grace in Christ and you can extend it. I've already told you what it doesn't require. But surely this requires something. One day a week's a good day to think about things like this. And I hope you'll spend much of the rest of today thinking on
0: these things. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching and and resources are there and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.